Okay. Oh, he said there's a 10 second delay, so we'll see what the delay looks like. Five, four, three, two, one. Action. Are we live? Trying to make sure. Live, right? Says live. Okay. All right. So there's a there's a uh, delay between um, uh, the. What we're shooting here. Welcome to the, the long-awaited God Country Coffee Podcast. I'm J.R. Alanis. I'm the owner of Third Day Coffee Seguin, and I have a very special guest that's hiding right now. We'll introduce him in just a minute. Um, but I just wanted a little bit about the uh, the podcast. Uh, this is going to be a weekly podcast. We're going to do it on Friday. We're going to try to do it between 7 and 7.30. We'll see what works better. Um and uh, first and foremost, I'm going to thank God for just the unending blessings that he has given us uh, to get to this point and um, wouldn't be here uh, if if God just hadn't cleared the path and and done so much work. And we'll talk about that, uh, especially with my guest. Uh, there's a lot of people to thank real quick because it's taken us a while to get here. John Grantham, uh, Ryan Hunt, J.D. Tierney, uh, Richard Kaufman, Justin Charpentier, the Vetpreneur Tribe, uh, Ashley Williams, uh, and my brother John Gonzalez. And I'm not going to tell you my other brother's name uh, just yet. Uh, all these people have been significant uh, in getting me from where our, this was just a hobby uh, to an actual business. Um, and so um, this intended purpose of this is we're going to talk about coffee for sure. Uh, but it's really to get the message of Christ out. Um, and that's our main goal. Uh, I didn't get where I was at, um, by putting God behind me. I got where I'm at by putting God out in front of me, in front of my business. And he's just blessed us every step of the way. And we're going to glorify his name every step of the way as we go forward. Uh, my guest today is an army veteran. Uh, he's a patriot. He's a senior pastor at Everyday Christian uh, Fellowship in Cibolo, Texas, and he's a personal friend of mine. He's also pretty much personally responsible for uh, getting me to a point where I realized uh, that on my own, I had no hope and that I really hadn't surrendered my life to Christ yet. And so my special guest is Army veteran and senior pastor, John Mitten. What's up, man? I'm so glad to have you here. So first, we're going to talk about John. John doesn't drink coffee. Sure don't. <laughs> and so I've got some water boiling, and I've got some cups on the desk here. We're going to do some pour over. Uh, and, and John's going to try coffee on the show. And uh, uh, he, he, he'll, he'll talk a little bit about his coffee experience. He, he has had coffee before, uh, but not in the United States and not in Europe. Uh, and so, um, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, the way I met John uh, years ago, I say years ago, it really has been several years now. Um, in 2015, we, we went to the country church in Marion. And um, shortly after that, John came on as a, as a pastor. Um, and he was, he was on, on, they were doing, him and his family were doing missionary work in Madagascar. And so um, I heard John preach one time and then John was gone. He went back to Madagascar to, you know, to finish what he was doing there. And, and somewhere in between there, my dad died. And so um, I was struggling with it and, and really bad. And I, I John's dad is a pastor also, uh, J.K. Mitten. He's also a submarine officer. 
And so, and I was Navy also. And, and so John was Army. We forgive him. I still love him, but you know. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I told JK that I wanted to talk to John. And so I met John at Willie's in New Braunfels. And uh, the one significant thing that he told me, uh, because my dad came to Christ probably two weeks before he died. Our pastor, our senior pastor at, at um, Country Church, Butch Eichels, went over and, and uh, talked to my dad and prayed with him. And dad accepted Christ. And so because I hadn't truly surrendered yet, I didn't understand that. And so I know the Bible tells us we're going to see him again, but I was having trouble with it. And so John came up with two things. One, I hadn't greeted my father properly. And the other thing was that I didn't really believe I hadn't surrendered yet because I didn't believe the word to be 100% true. And so he said, if you, if you had fully surrendered, you would know that you're going to see your dad again. And, and yes, you would still have to grieve, but it, it wouldn't hurt as bad. Uh, and so uh, that's when I realized, oh, my God, I, I'm not good with God. And so through John's mentorship uh, over the next couple of years, really up still today, I still call him and ask him when I'm stuck with stuff, uh, we talk. And so that's how I met John. And uh, so now we're going to talk about John a little bit. Um, I'm going to pour us some coffee, but John, I want you to introduce yourself. Uh, tell us where you were born, where you were raised, uh, and then where you went to college. Cool. Yeah, so my name is John Minton. I uh, I am the senior pastor at Everyday Christian Fellowship in Cibolo, Texas. Um, I uh, I grew up in inner city Houston. Uh, my dad was a naval officer for till I was about four, and then he uh, went to seminary in, in uh, Fort Worth. And so I moved to Houston when I was four, almost five. Uh, grew up uh, went to very uh, racially integrated schools. Uh, played basketball all my life. That was my that was my love. I was a big high jumper as well, and so big athlete. Loved loved athletics. Um, but uh, then my uh, my senior year I had some things didn't didn't go right for me, and so I ended up joining the military. And um, I was a preacher's kid. My dad pastored all my life, and and honestly, I liked church, but I didn't really uh, hadn't hadn't surrendered to the Lord for sure. I had walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, nothing changed. And so I, I played this church game for a long time. Then when I was 19, I was in the military trying to get back in shape, hoping to join the Olympics. Uh, I wanted to be a high jumper. thought I, I really did have the skills to do it, just no discipline. So I, ho I hope the Army would do that for me. Well, I was in the Army uh, five months, 26 days. That's the, the total. <laughs> That's the veteran I am. Um, but I served all of Desert Storms. So I joined October 31st of 1990. Got out April 15th or 19th. I can't remember now. But um, I have to look at my DD-214. <laughs> but um, while I was in the military, I, uh, I began to read the Bible and uh, ruptured my knee, lost all my dream, all my hopes of doing what I wanted outside the military. And uh, just began to seek the Lord. And that's when he found me. And I gave my life to Christ at 19. Uh, and everything changed. It, it, was, it was no longer about not wanting to go to hell, not being afraid of death. It was about really wanting to be um, in a relationship with a God who loves me. And and I, I gave him a chance and man, it's, it's been unreal since. And so 19, I gave my life to the Lord, uh, came home and decided I really had to uh, do something different with my life. Um, I used to run after girls. Now I wanted to run after God. And so I did. And I, uh, I'll never forget, Jared, it was the coolest thing, man. I was, I was sitting in my living room, uh, my mom's living room, still living at home, and uh, I got my DD-214 in the mail, and so I was on, in a holding company at home, and so I got my DD-214, I looked at it, and I told the Lord, I said, okay, I'm free, what do you want me to do? Uh, I'm yours, I'll do anything you want me to do, and about 10 minutes later, the phone rang, some man I'd never met before said, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to call you and ask you to come lead worship at our church, and I was like, how'd you get my number, <laughs> and he didn't know. Um, anyway, that was my call to ministry. I started serving the Lord in uh, youth and music ministry for 10 years. Then I did um, church planted for a well, pastor for one year, church planted for 12 years. Then God called me to Africa and my life changed all over again because I, I learned what church really was about. Um, not just about the Western idea of church, but who are we as a body of believers? And so it changed me into becoming not just an evangelist, but a disciple maker. 
And so really walking people through faith, and which was, was perfect for you to meet uh, me after Madagascar, because if you had met me before, I wouldn't have had much time for you because you are, you know, you would have already said you were saved. But I, I'm, I've become a disciple maker now. So uh, it's much more than just knowing Jesus. It's about surrendering to him and walking and following him daily. So did that. Anyway, we served three years in Madagascar. My wife, uh, Lori, is an eye doctor in uh, Seguin, owns a practice here. Uh, um, they're about to actually about to change the name. I think it's called um, Seguin Family Eye Care. Um, but she's here. I've got three kids. They're incredible. I've got a 16-year-old boy, Joshua. <laughs> I can't believe he's 16. Um, I got a uh, 13-year-old girl, Kayla, who's off limits till she's 31. <laughs> and then actually it's not true. I just realized the other day, uh, by the time Josh graduate John graduates high school, I, I will be almost 60. And so uh, I'm gonna have to bring that age down. Otherwise, I'll never, gonna, I'll never see grandkids, man. We're gonna have to figure that out. <laughs> so and then John John will be uh he'll be 10 here in, in a couple days. So but anyway, came back and and then went to the country church, had a great time there, and then God called me to every day and it's been an amazing journey. So let me ask you about um, when you were growing up, at, at, you know, growing up as a pastor's son, um, there's got to be a lot of pressure there. Um, Hated it. Yeah, I can't oh. even imagine. And so growing up in that environment, at, at what point did did you think, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to go to seminary? Dude, that was never a thought. No? No, no. <laughs> no, dude, I honestly... Um, the things I liked about church were people. Um, I really didn't like um, reading the Bible. Uh, I didn't like Bible study. I liked the people. Um, but honestly, the one thing I told God I'd never do is pastor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like praying for patience. I, I Don't told, do it. <laughs> I, told, I mean, listen, guys Guys will tell me all the time that you, you're going to hear God laugh. Just tell him your plans. <laughs> and uh, I'm serious. I, I told God I would do anything. I mean, even as a kid, I just, I just wouldn't be a pastor. And because I hated church as an as a organization, honestly, I still hate church. It's a weird, weird vibe I got going on. I'm a pastor of a church and I hate church, um, but I love who the church is supposed to be. Well, let's let's back up for a second. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second, because yeah. I think that's really important. Um, a lot of people don't like to go to the building that is church. Me, me neither. The, the corporate worship, right? And yeah. so let's let's talk about a minute for a minute there and, and tell us what the Bible says church is. Yeah, so ecclesia is the word. Ecclesia is two words, ek being out of, klesia being called. And so the church are people who are called out. Um, called out from what? I, I tell people all the time, if you don't know what you're called out from, you don't know, you cannot figure out what you're called to. And so we're called out of darkness, out of ugliness, out of selfishness, out of pride, out of who I used to be, called out of darkness and into light. And so the church, our people, is, is formed by people who are called out of being like the world to become like Jesus. Um, and so when, here's the, here's the coolest thing. It's like being, you know, I love athletics, right? I love it. I'm a huge basketball player. Uh, I love volleyball uh, and I love track. But if you put all those athletes together and you tell them all oh, we're going to play basketball, I don't want to play anymore because I don't want to play basketball with track stars. I don't want to play basketball with volleyball stars. I don't want to play volleyball with, with, with soccer stars, although that would be kind of cool if they kick it over the net. But <laughs> that's not what I want to do. I want to play basketball with basketball players. I want, to be, I want to be with people who are interested in the thing I'm interested in. And so for me, church for the longest time was a, a – of people looking for morality and nobody could find it. Nobody was living it. Everybody was a liar. They're all hypocrites. And so that's the reason the world doesn't go to church because the world looks at the church and says, what a bunch of hypocrites. The truth is I wanted to plant a church when God called me to pastoring and I wanted to call it hypocrites anonymous <laughs> <laughs> because my, my thought was the first thing we should do is admit, dude, we're hypocrites. We are. Because the, here's the thing. The minute I gave my life to Jesus, I realized I was never going to get it all right. But he'd already gotten it right for me. And so now my goal is I just want to spend time with people who also want to spend time with Jesus. So that between the two of us, between the three of us, maybe we'll encourage each other on to good works. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what I found in Madagascar because they were so dumb, ignorant when it came to what the church was. When I got back to the Bible and I started teaching what the Bible was, what the church was, I was like, 
dude, I didn't even realize. That's who we're supposed to be. It's not about some worship program or some preaching. Or the truth is, it's about the body coming together to say, "I've been called out to love Jesus." Hey, me too. Dude, let's work on that together. That's the church. That's beautiful. Uh, I think that's some. That's really important. You know, if if you don't understand that, or you know, uh, that, listen, I, and I'm one of them because for years I was one of those that would just go and sit in the pew, and I wanted my ears tickled. Just tell me what I want to hear. Don't throw any of that fire and brimstone at me. Uh, don't tell me truths that are going to hurt my feelings. Uh, and, and that's not what it's supposed to be about. It really isn't. And, you know, I had to learn, and fortunately I had a great teacher. Um, and I had to learn that, that if I try to do something myself, it's useless. I have zero hope if I'm going to try to accomplish anything on my own. Uh, that's just a, that's the basic fact of the, you know, if you want to live a life for God, uh, and so the second that you surrender completely to him, uh, like John said, his life changed, my life changed overnight. And, and it was to, you know, to learn about John's story and how he was, uh, you know, all the things that he'd been through in his life. Um, and then for him to recognize it in me, the change, uh, was such a huge, it's not a pat on the back because that's not what we're looking for. Right. It's, am I serving God? Am I have I really surrendered to him? Am I giving my life to him? And, uh, and, it, and sometimes you, you know, that's why there's Christians are all at different steps, right? Some of us are baby Christians and some of us have been here a little bit longer. And so the ones that are a couple of, even if they're two steps in front of you, they can always pull you forward. And so it's so nice uh, to, to get a little reinforcement. And I think that's one of the things too, where, where sometimes in, in the American church today, we fall short is that when somebody surrenders their life, there's, you know, we don't, so we're not there walking with them, even if we're a couple of steps in front of them, pull it, okay, come on. Now that you've taken that first commitment, you know, let's go this way because, you know, this is where the, you know, this is where the light's at. This is where we're yeah, going to go. And that's been a problem with the church for a long time is we, we have a, I made it mentality. I gave my life to Jesus. I made it. And I'm box done. check. Box check. And, and the thing is, if, if the box, if the, if the box is supposed to be checked is give your life to Jesus. If that was the goal, if that's the only goal, then why didn't God take me to heaven the minute I, the minute I gave my life to Jesus? Because that's not the, that's not it. Jesus says, I, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I come to give life abundantly. So he's got a plan for me each and every day that, that I become not only his family, but I bring others to his family. So Beautiful. we talk, um, we, we, you and I talked, I remember at Willie's, and I talked about, you know, there used to be Bo, uh, what, Bo, Bo Jackson. Remember Bo Jackson knows football. Bo Jackson Bo knows Bo knows. And we used to have those T-shirts that Bo knows baseball, Bo knows football, but it's Bo knows Jesus, right? <laughs> and so here's the thing: we made a they made a T-shirt back when I was younger, and the T-shirt would say uh, to K to uh, to K N O W Jesus is to K N O W change. But, but if there's N O Jesus, there can be N O change. Wow. Because without Christ being Lord, you will fight morality your whole life. You will fight this idea of, am I qualified? Am I good enough? And the answer will always disappoint you because the mm. answer is no, you're not. Wow. Man, that's deep. Uh, what I, what I do want you to do is if you're, if you're watching, uh, we're going to, we're going to shift this around. We're, we're going to stay on topic, uh, but we are going to, I've made some coffee. And so uh, John's got some coffee now. He's going to try coffee for the for uh, he's going to try our coffee for the first time. Uh, John Gonzalez, Virginia. Several people are watching. Chris Greenfield uh, from the Woodlands. Thank you, uh, Virginia from Katie. Thanks for watching. Um, I'm going to let you know what we're drinking right now, just so you know, because I'm going to plug the coffee while we do this. God Country Coffee. Uh, the coffee that John is drinking in his coffin coffee company. Cup is actually our Isaiah 527, uh, which is the coffee that's behind us, which is Legacy Farms. Uh, Ashley Williams uh, with Legacy Farms Coffee. Uh, it's Honduran. Uh, it's incredible coffee. You can get some on our website and you can look us up. Uh, in future podcasts, we'll have addresses and things uh, for people. So uh, I'm drinking the new Revelation, uh, which is the high caffeine light roast. And I didn't want to give it to John the first time because I'm afraid, you know, he might start dancing or something. He might start dancing that's anyway. That sounds good, bro. <laughs> he might start dancing anyway, but I'm not drinking. Drink this. My mouth, I've got pansy mouth. 
<laughs> so, um, so let, let's talk a little bit about uh, influences uh, in your life. And uh, I'll tell you right now. I that, do that in half bad, bro. You like that? I didn't say I liked it. <laughs> You know what's funny is, dude. That, I mean, honestly, I I've tasted coffee in the in the states a few times, and I can't. Okay, hang on. I have to speak it out before you get to the coffee. Yeah. Tell everybody who's watching what your experience with the coffee up to this point, okay. and what kind of coffee you've had. So uh, that's supposed to be the last thing, but we'll do that. We'll um, do that. So I, I've never had coffee uh, until I moved to Madagascar. I had never tasted coffee. Uh, I smelt it. I may have tasted it, like kind of, but it was so nasty. I just spit it out. And I went to Madagascar, and everybody, while we were headed out there, everybody's like, "You better drink coffee." I was like, "I'm not drinking coffee. Coffee's nasty." <laughs> and then, um, then I got to Madagascar and realized that the the way that they filter water is they would get the water out of the streets, well, they would pee and stuff on the side of the roads, and then the water would go down. And so they were getting the water from like where they're peeing. So I was like, "Bro, that's gross." And so you have to be careful what you can drink. Well, if you're going to be a missionary, you got to drink what they give you. So. I decided I needed it to be piping hot. So the only option I had was coffee. And so in town, man, the coffee was nasty. Oh, my gosh. It was so nasty. <laughs> so I didn't drink it. I would get bottled water because we lived in town. But when we went in the bush, uh, somebody made me try it because I had to have something to drink. And it was the most amazing thing I had ever tasted because they take, uh, what is it, the, the sugar, cane, sugar cane, chop it up, and then they, they coat those beans and it's I like sweet stuff, but that's what I'm saying about this because like I've not had much coffee and I don't drink coffee now at all. I'm a big red man. I like sugar, um, and I normally have to just coat it with milk and sugar and but and and the reason I don't like coffee is because the aftertaste normally is so bad. I want to just gag. Actually, has a really good aftertaste. <laughs> I don't I don't don't know that I'm gonna drink it yet, but we're gonna keep trying. We'll see what happens. See if it grows on me. They say it's a they say it's a what do you call it? Uh, Acquired taste. Acquired taste. Let's see if we can acquire it right here. <laughs> All right. So uh, we talked a little bit about God. We're gonna we're gonna end with God, obviously, because everything starts and finishes with God. Uh, on you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, a little bit about country. Uh, one of the things that Third Day Coffee really wants to do uh, with our efforts as not just a coffee company, um, you know, one thing we want to try to accomplish with the podcast is to get some notoriety. We, we, we want to sell coffee. I'm, I mean, I'm, there's no hidden agenda here. I need to be a profitable coffee company. Why do I need to be a profitable coffee company? Just because I want to be an entrepreneur? Well, that's part of it. But part of it is that when when I started hanging around with John, and I really should call him Pastor John because he's pastor, but he's more than that because he and I are friends now. Uh, and, and we got to be good friends because of my experience and things that he included me in that just made me grow as a Christian. Uh, but but I, I Pastor John, uh, one of the things that when I surrendered my life to Christ, when, when my dad died and I realized uh, and I always thought that I was good. I thought I had that box checked, you know. Uh, but I, and I, what I realized is that I didn't. I had not surrendered. And so when I did, I knew that my goal in life was no longer whatever Jr. wanted. My goal in life was how am I going to glorify God? How am I going to give him the thanks and the respect uh, that he deserves? Uh, King of kings. I mean, he deserves it all. And so uh, a few years ago when, you know, we, we everybody's heard my story before. You've heard me on several of the different podcasts and uh, you know that we traveled overseas and I tried coffee, real coffee for the first time and and how I fell in love with it. But uh, a couple of years ago, probably two years ago, I was really, really bogged down with my job uh, working for the government. Uh, I love my company, but just it was rough. And so and especially for somebody trying to be, you know, a good Christian is really rough. And so we started praying about it. And my wife 100% supported everything I did. She retired from the state two years ago. Um, and anyway, we started praying. And and this is what God put in front of me. We had some friends over. I made coffee. And we we're talking about God. And one of my brothers, Robert O'Connor, he's like, you know, this is a business and a ministry all wrapped up in one. Because how many people get together just to have a cup of coffee? And then how many people, like-minded people, get together, have a cup of coffee and talk about God? And I and so the wheels started clicking, you know. And 
And so I started praying and this is what God put in front of me. He put, I mean, he put a guy in front of me that owns a coffee farm for crying out loud. I mean, I never could have met somebody if I tried to go out and look for somebody. And so those were all divine appointments that I prayed for. Uh, and, and I prayed for business and God has blessed us with business. And, and I, I tithe every bag of coffee that gets sold. I tithe it because that's, you know, that's, I need to give God his. And so anyway, what we really want to accomplish with our business, our coffee business, is to be able to support ministry, full-time ministry. And if that means hitting the street corners in Seguin, you know, giving somebody a coat, giving somebody a meal that they need, uh, finding somebody shelter when they don't have any place to live, whatever God leads us to, that's what we're going to do in the community. And so that's what Third Day Coffee Seguin is really all about. The coffee is the vehicle to get there. And so, and I'm going to let John talk a little bit more about, about how we get, you know, we've talked about a lot of stuff, obviously, over the years, but I really want to go towards, um, for instance, how does somebody who is really on the fence, they're not sure, they think, they think they're good, but, but they don't really know. I mean, how do we dial, how do we reel those people in? How how do I glorify God in everything that I do? Yeah, well, I think that's a different question, but I'll I'll go with your first one and see if we can get there. <laughs> um, I think you know one of the one of the biggest problems that people have in general, and and I don't mean just people out there. I mean people like me. Uh, I'm as real as they go, man. Um, <laughs> yes, he is. That I think a lot of times seeing is believing. I mean, that, the scripture talks about that as well. Seeing is believing. The problem is, is that uh, people don't want to take blind leaps into faith. Uh, we don't want to just jump, you know, jump off the edge of a building and say, "Well, God will protect me." Because fool- first of all, that's foolishness. Uh, but people will say, you know, for instance, I, I just preached a couple weeks ago that you got to be able to count the cost, figure out. Jesus says, "No king goes to battle against twenty thousand with an army of ten thousand without first figuring out can he win the war." Um, and so I asked the question just a couple weeks ago: Is Jesus worth? giving up this life because when I gave my life to Jesus and I'm going to make some Christians mad here and I'm okay with that. I really am okay with that because you can go read the scriptures and figure it out for yourself. When I gave my life to Jesus, I gave up the right to call him my genie. I gave up the right to call him anything other than Lord, which means if he wants me to have cancer, I got to be okay with that. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to be. I'm, I was diagnosed with cancer at 25, and I yelled at God, and I told him, how dare you? And I think he laughed at me. Um, <laughs> but but here's the thing. He laughed at me because what, what I heard God say next changed my life again. God said, John, don't you trust me? And I was like, no, I don't trust you. You just gave me cancer. How can I trust you? And uh, the next day I went to surgery, and they took out a huge tumor under my arm and told me I had cat scratch fever, which I thought was just a song. I didn't know. <laughs> and... Uh, Anyway, the doctor was convinced that God had changed my diagnosis. And uh, and so I'm convinced of that as well. But here's the thing. I'm going to die of something. So what does it matter what I die of? I, I don't care what I die of or when I die. I care what I live for. And so from then on out, my life became all about Jesus. Um, but I didn't start that way. I mean, at all. I, I thought I was believing in the church. And the problem with believing in the church is there is no church good enough to believe in because church will fail you. I thought I was believing in my thoughts about the Bible. Problem is my thoughts about the Bible change all the time. The Bible doesn't change, but my thoughts about the Bible change all the time. And so we have all these things that people want proof. I want proof. All right. So we do this thing, um, atheists, right? We, I, have you ever seen what I do with, athe- with an atheist? I think so, the 40. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is really cool, man. So I, I saw this one time, and it really kind of affected me pretty pretty deep. People will say all the time that they're atheists. And first of all, I don't, there's no such thing as an atheist. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with that. Don't worry. Uh, but people say, I'm an atheist. And I'll say, no, you're not. You're not. There's no such thing. God puts in the mind of each man that there's a, there's a God. I know you're not an atheist. No such thing. Because atheism comes from the word no, ah, and theism, there's no God. There is no God. And so what I do is I take a sheet of paper like this one. And I just, I just draw a circle. It's not hard. I just draw a circle. doesn't have to be big. Just see that? It's not very big. And I simply say, 
This is the past, the present, and the future of all knowledge that's ever existed. And then I'll say, you know, you draw in the circle, draw a circle showing me how much of that knowledge you've now obtained. And so people, man, even the smartest guys I know, they'll just, you know, draw a little dot like that. And I say, okay, is it possible, not do you believe it, but is it possible there is a God that you just don't know about? Is it possible that somewhere in the midst of all this other space and time, there's a God that you just don't know about? Of course there is. Of course that's a possibility. Okay, so you're not an, you're not an atheist. You're an agnostic. Ah, uh, meaning no. Gnostic meaning knowledge. You just don't have any knowledge of him. Well, anyone who thinks they're an atheist probably is pretty smart because atheists, above all the people I've ever met, they're like scientists. They like to study. They, they like to know things. And so I just challenge them. And I want to challenge you today if, if you're one of those guys. Check it out. I'll give you a 40-day challenge. In 40 days, I have a science experiment. And I promise you, if you take this test, if you take this experiment, you will know in 40 days that there is a God. How do, now, John, how, come on, Pastor. How can you make that agreement? How can you do that? Well, if God is who he says he is, then he's got to keep his promises. I mean, period. He has to. If, he, if God stops keeping promises, he ceases to be God. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, and we most people know this verse, I know the plans I have for you, declareth the Lord, plans to prosper you, to, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But it goes on to say, <clears throat> and if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek with all your heart. And then I'll take you out of the place in which you're banished and bring you to the land that I've prepared for you. And so the question becomes, how do you seek God with all your heart? Because the Bible says if you seek him with all your heart, he will be found by you. So that's a promise. It's a promise to all people. So I say this. Take 40 days. Why 40? Because there's a lot of places in Scripture where 40 days happens and it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Moses was with God 40 days and his, his life was changed. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness and his life, he, he was transfigured in, in, uh, after that. And he came back a, a changed man even more than he was. 40 days is a huge amount of time uh, in Scripture. And so I say take 40 days and just read the Bible. I don't even care where you start and I don't care where you end. It doesn't have to be systematic. It doesn't have to be theological. Just go read the Bible for 40 days. And every day, as much as you can, read it and say, God, I'm looking for you. If you're real, make yourself real to me. If in 40 days he doesn't show up, he's a liar and he's not worth serving. Whew. And it's amazing to me how people— Hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah. Say that again. If he doesn't show up, if you seek him out for 40 days, you seek the Lord with all your heart and he doesn't show up. He's, he is a liar and he's not worth serving. And so here's here's the reason I say that. I'll say that and, and I'll have atheists will say to me, you can't say that about, you shouldn't say that about God. I'm like, you don't even believe in him. What are you talking about? I'll be defending him. But here's the thing. The thing that makes God different, right? Elohim, Jesus. The thing that makes him different is that he is a living God, one who stands at the right hand of the Father, who intercedes on my behalf. Jesus Christ, the only righteous one. He's the one. He's the one who makes every difference, right? John 14, 6, Jesus says, no man can come to the Father except through me. He is the difference maker. He is the lawyer, the one who, who brings us to the Father. With that in mind, there is no other one who can take me there. No other one who can get me there. No other one in which I must believe. John 1.10 says he came to a world that he created, but they received him not. But to those who would receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God to those who would believe in his name. So if you believe in the name of Jesus, you can become a child. Now, believing doesn't make you a child, right? The devil believes. But Romans 10.9 says that if you confess Jesus to be Lord, in other words, if you agree that Jesus is the Lord with your mouth, you'll be saved. So it's, it's a belief that, res, that has a result in action. Now, here's the problem, is that people then take that and say, well, I believe and that's enough, right? I believe. I, I, for instance, I believe, I, believe, uh, I believe in God. Do you really? If we really believe in God the way we said we did, would we act the way we act? Whew. When mama's around, I don't act crazy. When my wife's around, I don't act crazy. If I knew God was really always around, if I really believed that, my life would be different. I'm just, even I doubt, even I have some doubts. But here's the thing. If you seek the Lord for, for, for 40 days, if you seek the Lord truly, and by the way, it doesn't really take 40 days. I've had 19 people take this challenge. Wow. 19. 18 of them came to Christ within the first two weeks. Whew. One of them quit after two days. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Of all the people that have ever taken this challenge, 18 of the 19 now have a walking, talking relationship with Jesus. The one who quit after two days, which means, by the way, he didn't seek the Lord with all his heart. He didn't find the, he, he didn't find the Lord. The Lord didn't find him, whatever, however you want to say that. 
what I'm saying to you is this. It is, we serve a risen Savior, right? And so it's not like following a book of rules. It's not like, like if you looked at a Muslim or if you looked at a Hindu or you look at all these world religions where they say, follow these commandments. Listen, I'm, you know, let me be harsh for just a moment. Even mainstream denominations. I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church. A lot of Baptists are this way. Catholics, certainly Mormons. They don't understand what it, what's going on. And so here's the thing. At some point, you've got to get to the point, because I don't care about your denomination. I hope you realize that. I don't care. All I care about is the Bible, God's Word. And so if we seek God out in His Word, the Bible promises that we'll find Him if we seek Him with all our heart. And so once you find Him, then you have a relationship with Him. Then you can ask Him where you're supposed to go to church. But normally we want to start in church instead of starting by becoming part of the church. Whew, come on. And I, you can't be part of the church until you're the king, until you're the son of or the daughter of the king. And so, and that's really kind of what I would say. And so, when 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 I talk to people who who have a hard time with church, because I have a hard time with church, I get them to realize: listen, once you come to Christ, going to church isn't about you anymore. That's right. I don't go to church because I want to go to church. I go to church because people there need me. I go to church because people there need to be encouraged. People there need to be pushed. Sometimes I need to be pushed. And when people don't come to church, they think, well, I didn't need to go to church. Yes, you did. I needed you. You didn't smile at me this morning, and I missed you. <laughs> and so the church becomes family, and every Sunday is like this huge reunion. We're like, man, it's good to see you. <laughs> Why? Because I've been in the world where people criticize. I, I've been around Karens and Kins all week long, right? People griping and complaining. Oh, me. man. Now I want to be around my brothers and sisters in Christ who will lift me up and build me up. But unfortunately, that's not normally the experience of people in the church. Normally the experience of the church is they feel condemned and out of place. And it's because maybe they are condemned and therefore they are out of place. Yeah. But if we surrender our life to Christ, God says he has a place for you. That's uh, that's amazing. So uh, I'm going to just reach out to a few. My sister, Debs, is watching. Hey, Debs. Uh, Ranger Dan. Uh, Dan is an army ranger and uh, he's watching what? and uh, he says, JR, thanks for bringing Pastor John on. I really like his style. I do too, Dan. Let me tell you, uh, there's a reason why I love this guy. Because um, I'm army. Because, well, not... <laughs> listen, y'all y'all are still 11 games behind us overall, okay? The Navy is still on top of that. So, uh, but, uh, so that, yeah, that's a great look on church, folks. Um, and I, I, you know, that's one of the things that, that I hear a lot. Uh, let's talk a little bit about country. We're going to tie it in also, but let's talk a little bit about country. Um, again, I, I told you one of the things that we want to do as far as outreach in our community. And and honestly, from a veteran, you know, a veteran pastor um, is that we want to reach out to the veteran community. You know, um, Don jo uh, Dave Doc Jocelyn, he does a podcast called Bullets and Beans, Bullets to Beans um, up in Alaska. And he addressed the, the 22 challenge. Uh, Pastor John did the 22 challenge. Some of his people at church, he called me out and I did the, I did, I started the challenge, but I'm so fat that I hurt my back after about day four or five. And so I had to stop. And, uh, and so, but you know, like, like I'll say this the way that, that doc said it, doc said that, uh, what are you doing day 23? What are you doing day 24? What are you doing day 25? I collapsed. Well, <laughs> well, I know him. I know what he's doing. Okay. He's reaching souls because that's what we need. Um, but, but Doc Jocelyn made a really valid point. And it's like, what are we doing to actively um, challenge what's going on in our country and our veteran community. Uh, one of our other brothers, Will Davis, uh, he's a perfect example. The, the guy's a combat veteran. Uh, he's sat in this room before and talked to me about things uh, that he, that he only, the only explanation he had for it was God. And so, and, and I've even asked him, I said, you know, Will, I said, how, you know, how do you come out of that environment you know, because I never went to combat. I was on a ship. My worst day was running out of money before payday because I couldn't go to the bar or something. You know, uh, I don't understand that. I don't understand that pressure uh, that our guys are coming off the battlefield with. And so uh, Will said, it's easy. 
he goes, you give it to God. And, and, and I, you can quote the, he talks about the yoke. My, my yoke is light. What, what scripture is that? My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Come and learn from me. I'm yeah. meek and lowly and hearty. You shall find rest until your very soul's rest. Yes. Yeah. And that's the one that will, that will tells me sometimes. Uh, and so, you know, here's a guy who, same thing, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, even Doc Jocelyn said that he got, he's got a paper on his, on his website that you can look at and read. Uh, and just in talking and in conversation with him, uh, he went through all that stuff, you know, and the VA gives you something for this. And then, and then, uh, you know, maybe your anxiety goes down a little bit, but your something else kicks off. And so they give you another pill for that. And so one of the things that we really want to do, and we're not encouraging anyone to put all their drugs in a bag and throw them in the trash. That is not what we're doing, but we just want people to understand that there is another inexhaustible resource that can give you peace and it's God. And so, um, John, what are your thoughts about, about where our veteran community is today, especially with so many of our guys and girls coming back, uh, taking their lives, their own lives? Yeah, I, th I think the problem is, <clears throat> you know, I'm also the police chaplain for the city of Cibolo Police Department. And uh, police uh, are huge. I mean, it's a big problem in police departments all across the country, especially now with suicide. I think the problem is, is that uh, heroes – People who are in, in who fight for freedom, uh, police officers who fight for freedom, guys who protect us all the time, those guys are heroes. And heroes don't know how to ask for help. Whew. They don't have a clue. They uh, they're they're used to running into the building, not out of the building. And when there's no more building, they don't know where to run. And uh, you know, it reminds me, and I I don't have time to preach this message, but um, <laughs> it reminds me of the cities of refuge back in the Old Testament. When, when a man, you know, you had all these laws that you had to follow. And if you broke a law, you, you could, um, you could sacrifice an animal. And, uh, but there was only one thing you couldn't sacrifice for, and that's for murdering someone for killing. And you think about it, that's what our military struggles with the most. They kill somebody. Um, it's not murder. It's killing because uh, they're not killing innocent lives, but they struggle with the rest of their life and they don't know how to deal with it. And so, the Bible says in, in, in Numbers and in, in Old Testament that if you take the life of someone, that the Goel or the, the brother of the one who you killed could come and kill you if it was on if it was a, an innocent person. And so the one who did the killing would run to a place called the city of refuge. There were six of them with a high priest in each. And you'd run to the high priest and you would present your life before the high priest and say, I didn't mean to kill him. It wasn't on purpose. And so they would have a trial. It's where our trial system comes from. Wow. And so they would have a trial and they would figure out if you did it on purpose or an accident. If you did it on accident with no mal intention, no bad intention, then you would be found innocent. And so the Goel couldn't touch you, but you couldn't leave the city of refuge for the rest of your life. You had to stay under the protection of the high priest. Wow. You ran to him, so now you must stay. Um, but if you're found guilty, or let's say the axe head flew off the handle and hit the guy, but you had fought earlier that day, they would say that's bad intention. So they would hand you the goel. The goel would kill you. That was his job. So if you're innocent, though, you would run to the city refuge. They'd have the trial. They would say you have to stay. But you didn't have to stay for life, really. You had to stay until the high priest died. <laughs> when the high priest died, God said that your sins die with the high priest. Wow. And then the Bible in the New Testament says that Jesus is our high priest. Whew, come and on. so all of us are sinners. All of us are guilty of one sin that condemns us, right? Everybody's worried about what sin, what, what is the condemning sin, John? Tell me the condemning sin. Is it adultery? No. Is it homosexuality? No. Is it not drinking coffee? No. Maybe. No, it's not. <laughs> no. What is the what is the condemnable sin? The condemnable sin is the fact that we killed Jesus. My sin put him on the cross. Amen. Now, did I mean to do that? No. I was born into sin. I have the seed of Adam. I was born into sin. I hate that about myself. But I'm a sinner based on my birth. My natural birth made me a sinner. I then participated in sin, and I killed the author of life. So who do I run to? Because I'm guilty of I'm guilty of murder. Who do I run to? It wasn't on purpose. I got to run to the high priest. Who's the high priest? He's the one I killed. Good news is, three days later, he got up. Amen. Went to heaven. And the Bible says that if you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And so I run now to the high priest Jesus, who has not only died for my sins, but now he says, John, you didn't kill me. I died for you. Whew, come on. Right? It's a different, it's a different subject. So I, I didn't murder him. I didn't kill him. My sin put him on the cross, but he chose that for me. But here's the problem. If you know that, 
but you never surrender your life to Jesus, you never accept that gift on the cross, then you're still guilty and you're still condemned for killing the Son of God. Regardless the, of what you've done. Regardless of how good you are, regardless right. of how much money you give, regardless of how, how much you go to church, regardless of what your, what your status is, none of that makes any difference. All that matters is what did you do with Jesus because your sin kid, killed him, put him on the cross, and you're either a recipient of his grace or you are guilty for killing the Son of God. Mm. That's it. And so that's the reason when I gave my life to Jesus, everything changed because for the first time in my life, I realized I wasn't condemned anymore. Romans 8, 1, or let me back up. Romans 7, at the end of Romans 7 says, I can't seem to get the sin thing right. It keeps messing me up. I find myself to be a slave in my mind to God and a slave in my heart to sin. Who's going to save me from this body of sin? Romans 8, 1. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when Jesus died and I surrendered my life to him, he said, okay, you're, you're free from that. You're forgiven for everything you've ever done, am doing, and will do. Why? Because you've become my child. Now, I love this. This is the best part about all of this. Ready? You, when your dad died, did you get an inheritance? Some, no. But that's that's a normal thing, right? I mean, normally people die. There's some. You might have got an inheritance of debt. Right, some people get that. <laughs> yeah, but either way, an inheritance isn't good until the person who makes it dies. And the Bible says that God made a covenant with His people. A covenant is the same thing as an inheritance. A covenant is not good until the one who makes it. It can't be passed on until the one who makes it dies. Mm. So God had to die for us to inherit. For us to inherit. And so when Jesus dies on the cross, he becomes, uh, that death becomes the one, one reason I can now inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Not because I'm worthy of something, but because he called me his child. See, in the flesh, by accident, I'm a sinner, right? But when I surrender my life to Jesus, on purpose, I become a saint. Mm. Not my purposes, but his. He changes me from a sinner to a saint. Now, unfortunately, it, it doesn't change much about the wrappings. I'm still wrapped in sin. But my spirit has been set free because he has rebirthed me, recreated me, so that no longer does he see me as a as a let me, let me do this way. Let me close it with this. This part anyway. You ever watch NCIS? You no. watch those NCIS any of those crime yeah. shows? Yeah. Right? Abby's back there doing the blood stuff on right. forensics. The way it works is if you do a crime, everybody's gonna know it because your DNA is all over it. Right. When you and I get to heaven, or when we get to the judgment seat of God, if our DNA is if our DNA is seen, then we're sinners. Right. And so if God sees me, he's going to know that I, I killed the son. But the Bible says that what God did when he died on the cross is his blood and his water was poured on the ground. That all who would give their lives to him, that he would wash us with the washing of the water through the word to present us back to himself without wrinkle, blemish, or any stain. That's mm. Ephesians 5, right? And so he washes us with the blood. And what does it do? Cleanses. You, so watch this. It, you say cleanses us, right? Yeah. But the truth is it makes us dirty. It makes us dirty with his blood. But watch this. There's no better blood to have because that's the DNA of the inheritance. Mm. Because when Jesus pours his blood on me, yes, it washes my sins away, makes me white as snow. But it also presents me to the Father as the Son, oh, who, I, who I don't deserve to be that. I, I got, I'm got. i going to receive Jesus' reward, which is, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. Because he took my penalty when the Father said to him, depart from me, sinner, for I never knew you. And so he washes us with his blood, and in doing so, he puts his DNA on us so that when the Father sees me, he no longer sees John Minton in his ugliness. He sees the Son of God mm. all over me. Man, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. So what would you say to some of our veteran community out there who's struggling right now, like struggling? You know they're struggling. You, I do. You've talked to them. Um, how would you ease them? Uh, sometimes you don't need to ease them. I mean, I – I need a baseball bat to the forehead. That's how I learned. And that's what John offered when I met him. And he hit me with it more than once to get the point across, I will tell you. Uh, but what would you suggest, you know, some of the guys that might be watching right now, I know I know some of these guys that have been in combat uh, that are watching, and, and I know some of them are, are believers. I don't know everybody, but uh, what would you say to someone who's, who's struggling? The same thing I would say to somebody who's not struggling. Mm. I'm serious. Here's the thing. The thing that gets you to the throne is the thing that keeps you at the throne. So my, my advice wouldn't change at all. My advice is spend time with the Lord. My advice is get a Bible, read it, 
every moment you can. The Bible says we're supposed to take every thought captive and make it submissive to God's word. Here's my problem. I got out of the military and I wanted to kill myself. So before I got out, before I got out of the military, my girlfriend left me for my best friend. Uh, everything around me was failing. I'd ruptured my knee. My, I knew my career in high jump and basketball. I knew that was all over. So I didn't know what to do. And so I really, I, I had planned to kill myself in front of my girlfriend. And uh, that's, I mean, I couldn't have got any lower. And it was at that point I started reading the Bible. And I, I just simply said to God, I said, God, if you're real, I need to know. I, I, I need something. And I just began to read. And I, I didn't, I didn't really go to church. I mean, it was, Look, I don't know. Maybe it's changed by now, but army chaplaincy stuff was really pretty poor where I was, um, and and I and I didn't get very far. So it wasn't like regular army at that point. It was still like basic training and AIT and stuff like that. But but it wasn't it wasn't good for me. And so I just began to read the word. And the more I read the word, the more God comforted me. Right. So mm. there's there's a verse in in Saint Corinthians chapter one verse three that says God comforts us through all of our struggles. So we're able to comfort others with the same comfort we receive from God. Come on. And so I had a professor ask me one time, he said, John, which would you rather have? Would you rather never struggle and not know God? Or would you rather struggle and know what it's like to be comforted by a living God? And I told him, that, that's when I was having cancer. So I didn't like this question. <laughs> but the answer is easy. If my struggle would bring me to a place where I really knew there was a living God who cared about me and loved me and watching over me and taking care of me. If I, if that would prove that to me, I'll take that all day long. The problem was I had never given the Lord my struggles. I had never spent, I had never spent time with the Lord to figure out who he was. I'd never spent time with him. And so I had no one to lean on, including my friends, because they were all gone. But when I had no one left but him, dude, I realized I didn't need nobody else. That's exactly. And then that's what changed my life in the church, because then I realized there are people who need people. Right. Second Corinthians 517 says that when Christ came into my life, everything old became new. Everything's new in my life. Second Corinthians 520 says that I, I'm God's ambassador. I'm Christ's ambassador as though God were making his appeal through me to beg others on God's behalf, make peace with God. So I, I got on a new journey. And here's the thing. Listen, veterans, listen to me close. The one thing I know about veterans, everyone in my family served in the military. Um, everyone. Uh, my dad was a naval officer. My brother was in the Air Force. My other brother's in the Army. My brother-in-law was Army. Now my new brother-in-law is Air Force doctor. Uh, we have all served in the military. Here's what I know. Military people need a mission and need a purpose. Mm. Without a mission and a purpose, your life will be empty. And the problem is, is that you get out of the military and seem seemingly people get out and the only purpose they have in life is trying to make it till the next day trying to make it to the next VA appointment. Oh, Lord forbid it's six months from now because you got to wait. Hurry up and wait again. But here's the thing. If that's what your mission and your purpose is, you're going to you're going to be empty a long time in life. you got to find a new mission and a new purpose. And I'm telling you, when you seek the Lord and he shows up, dude, everything changes. And once you know who he is and he speaks to you for the first time, you will never be missionless again. Never be purposeless again. Amen. Whew. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing, absolutely nothing to add to that. That is just, that's spot on. I mean, that's what, that I knew that John was going to hit it, and that's why I asked him on. Um, and so we've covered uh, a lot of, uh, I'm going to cover a couple of things, and we're going to hit the last section here uh, just in a few minutes. Uh, first off, tomorrow morning at 8.30, uh, on uh, it's on my if you'll go to God Country Coffee uh, group page, look at that. He finished his cup of coffee. Dude, that's actually really good, man. I'm telling you, if it had some sugar in it, it'd be amazing. <laughs> listen, put sugar in their coffee. Listen to this. I just drank a whole cup of coffee with no sugar in. It. Anybody who knows me knows that is malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that, not even for your show. I'm telling you. Um, so tomorrow morning is the Veteran Summit. Uh, it's going to be it's a virtual event. Uh, there, the, uh, you can get free access to it. Uh, there's a link on the God coffee, God country coffee page. There's a link on my, uh, personal Facebook page. Uh, it's going to be all entrepreneurs, um, people that are in the front of forefront of their fields and they're going to be helping other people and you don't have to be a veteran to attend. Um, uh, and so they're gonna, um, that's tomorrow morning, uh, 
we want you definitely to, to hit check that out. Uh, check out the website. Again, we're going to do this every week. Uh, and the last segment here, we're, we're going to, this is going to be an easy one because uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted to, but there's still a lesson here. And so uh, we're going to talk about coffee. And so uh, we're going to start out with coffee, talking about Ashley Williams. Uh, Ashley Williams owns Legacy Farms Coffee. Uh, they're based out of Kansas, out of Mountain Ridge, Kansas. They have a farm in Cerro Bueno, uh, Honduras. And uh, they are doing incredible mission work down there. John never hears me speak Spanish. It's really weird. Sometimes I just, it's like speaking in tongues. I just start Spanish and it's weird. I was waiting for the translator. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, you can see the bags in the back. Uh, that's all Ashley's coffee. Um, he supports the people who work for him uh, by doing mission work. His goals for this next year, uh, 2021, are to build a church on his farm for his uh, local community and to be able to staff it full-time with a pastor. And so uh, please uh, reach out to lfmissions.org uh, and make a donation there. Help them out. Uh, call, you can reach out to Ashley personally, Legacy Farms Coffee. Uh, he will, he'll call you if you want him to and talk to you about what's going on and, and the struggles that, that they, um, that they have to overcome just to do business down there. Uh, and so incredible, uh, Pando Commando, Ryan, thanks for the shirt, uh, and for the summit tomorrow. Uh, we're looking forward to that. JD Tyranny for the, uh, Prey Hat, which is a big hit. Everybody's asking me about it. And I'm glad that I've got some more coming. Um, and, uh, just all the groups, you know, Justin Charpentier, I want to thank you for, for really getting my business, uh, well, my hobby from a hobby to a business. Uh, and, and that's all going to be to do mission work. I mean, that's where it's all going. And so we're going to talk a little, the last little section here that we're going to talk about real quick is coffee. And so, um, uh, I want John to, you know, you heard John early on talk about, uh, the, the kind of coffee that he's had, he's had really exotic coffee in the bush in Africa. Uh, and so, and exotic, that's the word. That's, yeah. Exotic. You know, it's got poop in it. I don't know what you call it, whatever you want to call it. Something. Maybe toxic is a better word, but, uh, you know, I've had coffee in Australia, in New Zealand, in Italy, in Greece. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, I'm where I'm at. God has blessed me so much that he's allowing me to do what I love to do. And I'm giving him all the glory. And that's that's how I'm going to succeed with my business. It's yes, I'm going to have to use smart business sense, but God has given me so much and I'm going to give it back. And because I mean, God's going to be way out in front. So coffee, we, we had talked about, you know, John trying coffee. And so he's going to give you his take now on our coffee and coffee in general. Well, I, look, I'm serious, man. I don't like coffee. I like the smell of coffee. It's got like uh, cigars. <laughs> I love the smell of cigar. You can't get one in my mouth though. Um, but I really don't like coffee. But dude, seriously, that was really good. Um, I, I probably would put sugar in it, um, only because I like sugar. But it's amazing. I actually could drink that. Um, <laughs> and I honestly look. I expected this to be kind of funny um, because I was going to drink it and spew it because I really hate coffee. But it's really, it's really pretty good. <laughs> But you know, I, I was telling I was telling Jr. Um, it wouldn't matter to me whether I like coffee or not because the truth is, there's a lot of things about just life in general that I don't like. You know, uh, all of us we're not the same. We're all different kind of people, and that's why some people like church, some people don't like church, some people like gathering, some people some people love masks. Those people are crazy. Um, <laughs> but you got all these people who like different things. But here's the thing: it, it God makes all of us different. And if I didn't like the coffee, it's not that big a deal because I, I would. Here's the thing: I would buy your coffee, even if I didn't, even if I didn't like it, because I believe in you. I mean, that's one of the things you need to you need to hear. I love that Jr. is now in seminary doing some things to try to learn God's word better. But here's the cool thing: when you look at the life of Paul, Paul says that he went to all these places to preach the gospel, and the richest place he could go in Corinth, he would not take their money. Because he didn't want them to say, look, we paid you to do the gospel. He said, no, instead, I made sure I had a business, a tent, tent making business. And so Paul made tents in order to perform the ministry that God had given him on. And so anytime someone says to me, hey, I'm creating a business so that I can do ministry, dude, I'm on board. Because that's the most biblical way 
of doing ministry. It means that he doesn't want to stress the church out. In fact, he wants to help the church out to become truly who the church is called to be, which is ambassadors for Christ in the streets where really ministry needs to take place. And so, uh, but as far as the coffee goes, I, I want to try that stuff now. I don't know why you gave me this, but, <laughs> but honestly, the, the the best thing about this coffee that I'll tell you today uh, was the aftertaste, because normally the aftertaste is a thing I hate, um, but it actually left a really sweet flavor uh, with no sugar. That's pretty incredible. And so I, I will tell you, uh, just like I tell everybody, yes, I, I do sell coffee, but coffee's not for everyone, right, John? It ain't, man. But I don't know. I might but, that. But what? Coffee's not for everyone. But but the Lord can be. But Jesus can be. He is, be. man. He, he is for yeah, everyone. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I, I got to preach all day long. Here's the thing. <laughs> don't give up on God just because you've given up on the church. Don't give up on God just because ch church people have been ugly. Because here's the thing. Jesus was speaking actually to the church, to the Jewish people, to the people who were God's chosen people when he said these words. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few, few of you will find it. The whole idea is, is that even in the church, even in, in, in every building uh, that, that we call the church, there are a lot of people there who will not enter the kingdom of God. Not because they're not good people, because the truth is none of us are good people. The Bible says our, our best works are but filthy rags to God. But the what we have to do is we have to have a relationship with Jesus. And whether you have that in a building or outside of a building, you've got to have it. You've got to have a relationship that starts with Jesus being Lord. Here's the great news. If you're one of those guys that's like, that's me, John, that, Pastor John, that's me. I've got a relationship with Jesus, and I don't have to go to church. Watch this. The Bible says if you're truly in Christ, you should not um, stop or you, you should not keep yourself from, from gathering with believers. You need to be a part of the church, not for you, but for others, because people need to be encouraged by you. It's not about you. You gave your life to Jesus. It's about him now. Ooh, come and on. So, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'd go with it. So I, I got to say this was a great uh, first episode uh, for uh, God Country Coffee. And um, I encourage you, uh, if you haven't signed up for the summit again, uh, do that. That's tomorrow. Where, uh, another thing that I would really like to encourage you to look at is a, a group called, uh, they're called uh, One Mile, Team One Mile. And they're bringing awareness to not just the veteran community, but all communities with suicide, addiction, things like that. They're running a race uh, that we are uh, going to try to sponsor them in some form uh, from if anybody knows what the race across America is, it's a cycling race. And it goes from the longest pier in, in uh, Oceanside, California, all the way to Maryland in seven days. And so um, it's a Forrest Gump ran. It's definitely Forrest Gump ran. And so uh, we're uh, going to, we're going to be a part of that some form. It may just be providing coffee, but uh, we're trying to get involved a little more because that's a great way to get the message across that you're never alone. Um, that's one of the things that I, that I try to tell you all. Joshua 1 and 9 says that God is with you wherever you go. So you are never, ever alone. So if you're a veteran today and you're watching this or if you're somebody, just one of the people that, that chimed in, uh, and you're watching it and you really, you know, something that John said, you know, Pastor John that resonated with you, please reach out to me, uh, reach out to John. John Mitten is on, he's on Facebook. You can't miss it. He's got a red cross on his Facebook uh, and and he'll sit down and talk to you. And, and if you need to talk to him in confidence, he'll meet with you. He'll talk to you on the phone. And what you say to him is between you and Pastor John. Yeah. And so uh, if there's, you know, if you need something, please understand that uh, as veterans, we're always going to have our veteran sixes, but as Christians, we're going to have everyone six. And so if you need to reach out and talk to somebody about anything, please, please do that. If you're having struggles paying the bills, I'm sure we can get somebody to help you, you know, structure your, your, your finances, or if you need a place to live or stuff, I mean, we such a huge community and uh, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We should all be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, and so, uh, Pastor John, I can't thank you enough. Uh, close friend. Uh, I, so I have a hard time saying pastor, um, but very close friend of our families. Uh, and, and I just thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing the word and, and talking about uh, our life experience and, and our veteran community and coffee. Yeah. And so three great things. Uh, we can always sit down with a cup of coffee and talk about God. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, if uh, if you want to hear more sermons and things uh, from our church, maybe you don't have a church home. Uh, you just need to uh, join somewhere until COVID's over. Man, I hope that happens soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Anyway, um, everyday.family is our website. So everyday, one word, dot family. It's not dot com, dot org. It's, it's dot family because we're not we're more than a church. We're family. So everyday.family, you can look us up, look us up online. Uh, I would say to you, one of the things that's cool about the Jeremiah, one, I mean, the Joshua 1 9, because uh -huh. I just preached, uh, we're walking through the book of Genesis uh, on Sunday mornings, and uh, I was just talking about Isaac and Jacob. And when Jacob's walking out to meet with the Lord and to go and find a wife, he, he has this dream, and we call it Jacob's Ladder, where he sees God and the angels coming up and down, and he misunderstands it and says, Oh, this is the place God has. I'm going to call it Bethel, meaning God's house. And God says to Jacob, I'm not making a house here. I'm never leaving you. In other words, God was always making a house in the people mm. because God has no intention of living in a house built with hands by men. He had, he all, he built us so that he could have a house in us. And that's why the Holy Spirit lives in us so that he can create a temple within us. And so it, if you're alone, it's by your choice because your father wants to live in you. Oof, come on. Um, that's everyday family. Everyday family. Everyday dot family. Okay, I put the link in the comments. Uh, everyday dot family. And so, uh, you know, again, if you need to reach out, uh, please reach out to Pastor John. Reach out to me. Uh, reach out to somebody that you trust. It doesn't matter who. Uh, just reach out to somebody. Uh, nobody's alone in this world. We're not. And and so, thank you for watching. I I I can't thank everybody, all our sponsors enough, all the people uh, that have, that have helped uh, third, third day coffee, get where we're going. Uh, and, and really, I mean, God has just done so much and we're going to keep giving back to God. And so I really hope that you enjoyed. I hope that we were able to give you something that you needed. I did see some of the comments, Carrie, uh, thanks for, for tuning in. And I'm glad that that pastor had a word that you needed to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, Ranger Dan, thank you for, uh, for commenting. Uh, uh, you know, I, I hope that we can, he's definitely going to be back on. So uh, not to drag this out, you know, we've got a bunch of, of viewers, but uh, love you guys. Treat each other the way God intended you to treat each other with love and respect. Uh, put God out in front of everything that you do and it will change your life. I promise you. And so, John, again, thank you. Love you guys. I'm going to pray for us. You're not letting us go. Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. We're, we're, uh, he's going to pray us out. And so uh, if y'all will just... Uh, uh, check up with us next uh, Friday at 7.30. Yeah, let's pray together. God, you're an amazing God. I thank you for uh, for this company. I thank you for what you're doing in JR's life. Father, I thank you for these men and women that are watching this today. Lord, I, God, I pray that you would do a mighty work in them. Father, I pray that if someone uh, is alone, feels alone, feels deprived, depra depraved, messed up, Father, I pray that they would seek you and find you when they seek with all their heart. And that, God, that you'd bring them out of where they feel banished, and, Father, bring them to the land and to the place you've called them to be. God, I pray for just your spirit to move even through the Internet waves, Father, that, that people might come to know you and have a relationship with you because that's where hope, true hope, is found in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. God, country, coffee. Like, share, subscribe. Love y'all. Peace.